It's time again for NFT 101. For some reason, I'm your host, Matt Ryan, and today we're going to be breaking down one of the things that we've talked about before on the Crypto Conversations. If you've listened to us on our Twitter spaces, you've heard these guys before, you've heard about this token before, but we're going to get more minutia. We're going to get more granular. It's time for an NFT 101 with the minds behind Lyft Token. I've got Andrew, Adam, and Jason joining us from the team today. Guys, thank you so much for taking the time out. For those who don't know, about Lyft Token and what you guys are doing on the NFT side, please, this is the opportunity for you guys to run point, take the floor. I'm just here to facilitate. You guys are Morris Day. I'm Jerome. I hold up the mirror. You guys, all you got to do is look pretty. So break it down for us. Well, first off, thanks. Uh, I'll try to be as pretty as possible. I don't really. Oh, uh, you already exceeded up. expectations. You don't need to worry about that. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so uh, here at Lyft Token, uh, the, the big thing actually is uh, we are building out our own platform and ecosystem uh, for physical NFTs. A lot of people are talking about two things in the NFT space right now is when it comes to builders and developers, that's dynamic NFTs and physical NFTs. And really the whole idea of physical NFTs for a majority of people in the space that are building are... are looking at it from a perspective supply chain tracking and ultimately anybody that knows blockchain knows that that's one of the big end goals a lot of other chains uh, are a lot of chains in general are really focusing on supply chain tracking and in the world of nfts people are just starting to talk about it well with us we're actually building out physical nfts in a true form solved one of the big problems of uh, how to bring things from off-chain, any information from off-chain to on-chain when it comes to physical objects. And really one of the, the things that we're focusing on right now is any radio communication device, but starting with an NFC chip. It's just a, a, a little uh, chip that you see in your credit card and, and uh, is used in a lot of devices, Apple Pay, uh, Google Pay. Those are big things that utilize uh, the, the type of technology that we're tying into the blockchain. But through our methods, we're actually creating a true physical NFT by having the uh, chip actually engage and interact with the, the chain and the private key together. And we actually add a layer of encryption that, that allows for authentication of the physical object in, in a manner that is, is decentralized, doesn't require user IDs, and is... Uh, able to operate uh, with escrow process with physical item the same way that escrow is is uh, removing middlemen with cryptocurrency transactions in general and your NFT transactions that you see today. So that is one of the, the key things that we're working on. And we're backing it with our own uh, uh, ESG dashboard as well to plug into the uh, 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 the back end of the uh, uh uh, NFT to actually have that supply chain tracking and all the environmental social governance metrics and, and standards associated with each product or object that can be put onto the blockchain. That is one of the big things that we're, we're really doing to power our system here. Uh, we do have a bunch of uh, artists that we're starting out with launching our platform. It, it's similar to OpenSea. We're launching it here in the next, I would say, uh, week, two weeks. It was supposed to be done on the 27th of July with new technology comes hurdles and delays. And we unfortunately hit a few, but uh, we have all the, the primary things with that new technology built out on chain working 
Uh, all the technology is, is fully functional. Now it's just the front end stuff, the less fun. Well, a lot of people say it's more fun stuff, but when, when you're making a technology like this, uh, it's all about the actual uh, tech stack and, and making sure the NFT uh, minting process is done right. Uh, we, we've got all of that uh, built out for everybody to be able to come in and utilize our marketplace in the next couple of weeks. The, the one thing I like about this is the pressure for authentication and that second layer of security because we've seen a lot in the NFT community over the past few months. Just Discord server hacks alone in May, $22 million evaporated from the market or were, were boosted from the market. So when you have an NFT brand or any company in the Web3 space prioritizing security, prioritizing the safety and comfortability of its users, to me, that's already a step in the right direction. And then you talk about the physical NFT portion of this. Uh, you guys are considering yourselves the first decentralized ecosystem built on sustainability and ethics. I would love to hear a little bit more about your focus on security and safety, and then give us a little bit of the journey of why you guys entered into this space and why is sustainability such a core value for you guys? Let me jump in here and backtrack real quick on uh, what Adam was kind of describing before and what you touched on just a little bit there. And it's it has to do with the, uh, the extra layer of encryption. And now that might not ring a bell for people right off the bat, but essentially what it means is that you can actually puts information that is not publicly visible into an NFT by using this protocol. And of course, that's important for you name it. Uh, you don't necessarily want certain information to be able to be viewed and or copied by any random person on the internet. Uh, and this is the only protocol that allows you to incorporate information that is private or hidden into an NFT. Uh, and that's where the extra layer of encryption comes in. Now, as far as the security thing, I'll let Adam talk more about that. But what I can say is that with the, with the Discord hacks and all these NFT hacks and stuff, uh, the vulnerability is usually coming through from um, either the consumer standpoint, like they're getting tricked, uh, or you know, or it's uh, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Some some people get through. Uh, they actually join a Discord community and work as a moderator and then end up flipping uh, flipping on the I'm a scammer switch uh, later down the road. And some of those things seem a little bit unavoidable, but I know that we're doing our utmost to program in and uh, optimize our security as far as our websites and our socials. Uh, Adam gets pretty gets pretty wild with, uh, with the security thing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's he's saved pretty well. Being, being a computer nerd, I, uh, I I get to have fun when people attempt to hack us uh, multiple times. I just flip on the the okay, you want to play this game? Bye bye router. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it, it's you hack me, you're you're paying the price. But the uh, ultimate uh, process here is is that known protocol that Jason was talking about, and I actually described it a little bit earlier. Uh, that, that asymmetric encryption that we utilize inside the NFT is actually requiring your uh, your key card or your NFC chip to be able to access that data uh, behind the, the NFT encryption, the metadata encryption, rather than just going and unlocking it because I own it. 
uh, that there's there's more to it than just a, a passcode. It has to match up with physical object, and there's no uh, association with a user ID also. And that's the, I'm not collecting data on any of the NFT owners, whereas anybody else that's doing the physical NFT process, it's exactly what they're doing. They're collecting data on you the same way that Facebook is or Amazon is a better example, but just because Amazon is, is uh, you know, using physical objects all the time and digital too. And eventually with some of the methodology that we're using in our, our patent pending uh, technology, uh, we're gonna be translating that over to digital media files and players as well in the same way. So we're gonna be going the full full nine with this. I don't know how long that'll take. So uh, it's not hammered in on our roadmap or anything, but uh, yeah, the, the security aspect is, is absolutely huge because you need both a physical object and an ownership of the uh, NFT, the digital NFT inside your wallet to be able to utilize it. Again, no user ID attached to it. So I'm not plugging into an outside database to prove anything. And I, I just don't need that. Uh, there's no need for that for a transaction and being able to remove all the middleware and middlemen that we possibly can. That's the whole point of our technology. And, uh, you know, I tell everybody this technology is kind of like the Amazon killer, Airbnb killer, killer. There's so many opportunities with NFTs. And I think it's what we've all been waiting on really is this, this aspect. Um, was, we were waiting for somebody to crack it. I, I didn't think I would be the person to crack it, but I, I guess I kind of am at the end of the day. Uh, but on the sustainability side, I want to hand that over to, and, and the story, how we came about actually really ties into uh, how we came about this idea as well. And Andrew's the man to, to tell you about uh, everything since he founded it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So we started Lith Token. We named it Lith Token um, really to, to marry with our um, lithium production company, our lithium resource company. So we, myself and uh, my business partners have a company named Insortia Metals, and we have government concessions to drill for lithium in uh, Chile and Argentina. So the barrier to entry into the to South American lithium business is, is pretty large, being that it's very environmentally unfriendly the way that they produce <clears throat> there right now. Um, and you're talking about, you know, Bolivia, Chile and Argentina that, own, you know, they have hold 70% of the global lithium reserves. And, you know, at a time where we're in a, you know, global energy transition, you know, batteries are a huge part of that. And, you know, ultimately lithium is too. Um, so really we wanted to marry our um, lithium company with a token because we wanted to go, it was always in Source's idea to go help and, uh, you know, take care of the indigenous communities that are affected by the way current um, lithium is produced in South America. So that's the charitable aspect of our token. Uh, we really wanted to, you know, so we partnered with Insortia and Insortia has donated about 20,000 um, USD. They're going to do another 100,000 USD this year. They did 20,000 last year. And we're going to put projects together. And, and when Insortia deploys their technology later this year, where we're going to be on the ground with them and really go help these indigenous people. Because Insortia and what we have, the technology that we have, um, it's, it casts you know, no carbon footprint whatsoever. We have mobile modular direct lithium extraction units. So we're able to move these in and out of different assets. Um, the way that they produce now in, in South America is through these lithium evaporation ponds. And basically they drill a lithium brine well, produce the brine water to the surface, and then pump the uh, brine into the evaporation ponds where they sit for a year to two years. 
until they evaporate. What's left over is the lithium chloride. They collect the lithium chloride and take it to market. Well, what's happening is when you're taking that brine water out of the ground, you know, you're rebalancing the reservoirs between the potable water and the brine water. So all these indigenous communities are seeing all their water wells deplete slowly. And actually it's getting, it's getting faster now. Um, so we really wanted to bring attention to that with through Lyft Token and through our charitable side um, and sustainability side, because obviously the technology that we're deploying is the, the most, most sustainable in the lithium production space. And just to give you a, an idea about that, um, so these direct lithium extraction um, mobile modular units we've developed, we actually produce the brine um, out of the ground into the mobile unit and we selectively absorb the lithium from the brine and then redistribute the brine back into the reservoir. So we're tied in with both, both the Chilean and, and Argentinian government. So this, this technology is going to be a huge deal. And, um, you know, we really wanted to build the token to build that charitable side. Um, and then also the, the NFT side with the utility um, is it just, it's just a game changer. So that's how, that's how we got here with, with Lyft token. Yeah. And, and, and that, on that note with that, the, the advent, the advantage here uh, for uh, our use case is that supply chain tracking and ESG metric tracking and really tying that together uh, in, inside our ecosystem, being able to deploy. Originally, we were just thinking along the lines of, of lithium based, of lithium battery based products like your e-bikes, your, your uh, um, electric cars, um, any uh, electrical leaf blowers, stuff like that was stuff that we were originally going to put on our marketplace. But then we realized, okay, this environmental social governance data goes much further than that. It goes with every single product to paper nowadays. You, there's a company called Cloud Paper out of Seattle. You can buy bamboo-based paper products. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, th that, things like that started opening our eyes and making us see that that this NFT technology could really be utilized for anything. And then when you really start talking about launching uh, a sustainable uh, uh, ecosystem and sustain, uh, that's based on sustainability and ethics, that, that sustainable way within the NFT space is, of course, art. That's the first place our heads go. So right now, our marketplace, we actually are going to be launching with uh, 50 artists that will be curated over the next six months. And to my knowledge, it's actually the largest NFT marketplace launch uh, uh, for uh, starting from scratch. Uh, and then we are also uh, exploring all the different uh, companies out there that we can work with, with the NFT launch. So um, we're really reaching out to a lot of sustainability based companies right now that are interested in actually helping build out the, uh, metrics that go along with environmental social governance, which is something everybody's debating across the globe. Regulators saying we need to crunch down and get this right. We need to make sure that we get carbon offsets uh, done right. And everybody's playing by the same rules. And we're trying to help set those, those rules. And we're using decentralization, which there's no better way to, to figure out a set of criteria that everybody across the globe needs to come together and, and find the solution for. And, and again, to my knowledge, I think we're the only ones actually trying to do that. And I, I have to congratulate you guys on the progress you've made so far, because when you're dealing with multiple governments, you're dealing with multiple industries, and you're trying to disrupt a lot of different ways of doing business. 
you guys have an octopus approach to this industry and you're trying to apply good governance. You're trying to apply ethics, a lot of solid core human values to unlock what is ostensibly a game shark. Uh, to me, NFTs are like game sharks in the fact that they can unlock and create utility for anything you you put in front of you. And when you're doing it in a physical way and you're able to utilize, you know, you're literally tokenizing it with that chip. It, it makes me wonder how all of you have heads of hair that have not gone completely gray. Um, <laughs> and you you take a look at balancing all of these different things what are the what are the things that carry you guys throughout your day to day as you get closer and closer to the launch of this NFT marketplace to the new technology that's going to be utilized this year when you face these different challenges when you face these different issues and you face let's be frank the litany of egos one has to deal with to not to get government compliance to you know, basically facilitate these new industries within things that have very, very, very hard and fast rules and very, very strict confines to work in. How do you maintain your core values all the while traversing these different issues? So first one, we're all crazy. So that helps a lot. Fair play, uh, sir. <laughs> second one, uh, just a very staunch belief in what we're doing. And we're doing something that we truly want to be doing. I think that everyone on our team and everyone within our community uh, has always had or has some form of desire to make a positive impact. And when you start aligning yourself with something that you believe in, and that's what you're making, you know, that's what you're making strides towards, that's your endeavor. It's a whole lot easier to get through each and every day. Uh, and then recently, what I can speak on is it's been it's been amazing just watching all the different people come together that also have uh, that are also crazy, bringing more people, more crazy people coming together. It's, uh, it's been it's been a blast, uh, especially with the artists that we've been talking to, uh, bringing on for this curated event. Every time we bring someone in who really sees the vision and like believes in it and jumps right in and is just blown away, it's it's just all these little things add up as affirmations that we're doing the right thing and that we need to keep going forward. Yeah, and, and to add to that, you know, there is this whole regulatory body and, and multiple regulatory bodies, none of them agree across the globe. And that's one thing uh, that with our the entirety of our project, we've actually been talking about from the beginning. We're not designing anything that we're doing to be a, uh, a, a board API club. We want the board API clubs to come over and utilize our system and show how they're ethical and doing it the right way. That's kind of the point of our system. We're, we're, we're taking the time to build out something uh, appropriate for uh, at scale on the blockchain. Uh, and we are doing it in every way that we know that the government would be wanting to restrict us now over the next few years and potentially over the next decade, starting out with our token, making sure before we did anything, that everything was not considered a security. We wanted to absolutely fail the Howey test and, and the other test as well. And, and just make sure that we are not a, a, a security in any way, shape or form. And uh, even going so far as making sure that 
uh, the egos that we're dealing with a lot of times are wanting to fractionalize stuff. And you can't do that right now in the United States and probably about a good half dozen to a dozen other nations. If you fractionalize an NFT, it becomes a security the second you create fractionalized ownership. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you can't fractionalize if you can't share ownership of something without it now being a, a security. So we're taking careful steps in the right direction. And we also through, like Andrew was talking about these concessions in uh, uh, Chile and, and Argentina, we already have established relationships with a lot of the uh, uh, big international players in, in politics. And in the United States, it's it's no different. I mean, we're set up as a utility project based out of Wyoming. Uh, we are intentionally keeping ourselves here in Wyoming, and we're one of the only companies right now that is full-fledged out of the United States. And we have zero issues with regulators. We talk to them. We, we, we try to push forward with all of our project in front of them. And in fact, we're speaking with governments uh, and, and closely associated governments outside of the United States and other uh, projects that are not necessarily government related, but under the scrutiny of the government all the time in a good way. Uh, you know, I've had conversations with Toronto Stock Exchange about potentially uh, partnering up and working with us on our technology. I'm not saying it's happening right now, guys, but I, that we do have mm-hmm. the doors open. And um, there's a lot of stuff like that that we are working on. And all the egos are actually, surprisingly, Andrew and I and, and Jason will hop into a meeting with all these egos. And that they, they're on board without questioning much of anything because of what Jason was just talking about. There's just so much positive impact that wants to be done. When you talk to people, you know, it's real quick, the egos that don't have uh, the, the best interest of humanity at heart, it, it comes out right away and you figure it out pretty quick. Um, so for I us, it, it actually is kind of more of an advantage just because of that, the nature of the beast that Jason was talking about. Yeah, and uh, just one thing on that, and like you know, our the the tech and the services we're providing uh, that we're trying that we're striving to achieve here, uh, whereas it might be disruptive, they're not exclusive. They're not exclusive at all. They're very inclusive. Whereas anyone could tap in and use this to their own benefit. Mm-hmm. That's one of the beauties of having like a decentralized model or you know a business model that will strive to be more and more decentralized because whereas DAOs typically have a lot of issues right now, it's not a perfect system. We do hope that someday when it is safe and appropriate to, that we can start to move towards a DAO governance model and kind of step back as the authorities on the project and kind of give it, just let it decentralize and let it run and operate and grow on its own. So it's not really an exclusive thing at all. It's not like, hey, we've got this and you don't. It's like, hey, we built this and this is going to be for everybody. Right. And when you take a look at NFT culture in 2022 and you talk of sustainability, you talk of charity, you talk of a lot of things that when you search NFT you see pieces of art being sold for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. You see mm-hmm. all of these things, and, and I think it shows the dichotomy of the market and kind of shows the, the two sides of, of every modern technological endeavor. There are those who see the utility in it and those who see the commerce in it. 
How do you bridge the gap to get people? You have artists coming on board. You have uh, 50 artists, which is an insane endeavor to when you're launching a platform in any way, shape, or form to have 50 different artists on board to to work together on a thing. I, I can't get 10 artists together in a room to get a sandwich order right. But when you're when you're looking at this project and you have to reconcile with the fact that there are people out there who just want something for the sake of owning it because it's cool or it has this one of one value when you when you try to entice sharks who are very 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 into the ownership of things is that on your mind or are you looking at those kinds of investors those kinds of owners when you're looking at the artist or are you purely looking at the utilitarian side of things because that I think is where a lot of the issues in the non-fungible and web3 communities are are trying to understand where you live in the marketplace and understand how you serve in the market when you have so many different masters there's so many different ways you can go about it it's short money it's long money it's all of these different endeavors how do you make that make sense all the while building this entire infrastructure while you, it's like building a plane in the air how how do you guys reconcile all of that as i end my 45 minute question oh. <laughs> well, excellent question. Though. Um, really, in, in our minds, it's a hybridized approach. Uh, and, and that's why we are starting with artists on our marketplace, rather than just going straight for products. Uh, because artists, be, uh, they're, it, when, when they're given a technology like what we've created, and we're able to explain it the right way, they're able to build out the experience added through the physical object and they're already they utilize physical art they're not typically in the mindset of nft uh, a lot of them are we only have a couple that actually have experience in the digital only digital nft space and it's it's really easy for us to set it up and tee it up because they're already dealing in the world of luxury sales resells uh, still with everything that's based off of in the NFT market that it's based off of is the traditional art market. We can say whatever we want, but the speculation that's involved is the same stuff that's been going on at Christie's and Bonhams and all the the uh, auction houses out there. Uh, it's it's the exact same mentality. However, with the physical artists, it's, it's a lot easier to be able to explain, okay, what is the additional added value that, in use case that you want to create using your physical object and bridging it to the, the digital world. And we're, we're, we're able to more or less subtly put it in front of people, what is happening with that. Now, we are also blessed to have the, the, the high-end use cases that are uh, tied in in the same way with physical objects with companies. And it, it's kind of like the Tesla, when, when that vehicle came out and, and everybody wanted it, it, it was a, that more exclusive vibe. It was higher end, it was, uh, you know, I get one of the first thousand Teslas off the line. I'm going to go ahead and buy it. Everybody in L.A. came in and, and swooped them all up. Um, and there's companies like that that we can touch base with. But now looking by 2035, every vehicle on the road in Europe is going to be a, an electric vehicle. So it has to be. Yeah, it, it absolutely has to be. And that, again, ties back into the lithium and the lithium partnership and, and collaboration that we're dealing with with Insortia. Uh, and then also uh, other uh, uh, 
another partnership with a car company. Interestingly, we uh, I I don't think we're ready to disclose it this uh, at this level of, of public yet, but it is a uh, uh, a car company that we will be releasing some of their um, uh, cars first ten offline. It's a higher end car, and they will be physical NFTs. Uh, we've got partnerships like that, and another one is a, a liquor company that we're talking with. It's really really big name that wants to uh, get some stuff going and, and, and test the markets out and see what it's like. So it's, mm -hmm. it, it is a delicate balance, but we get to start out with the, what I call the luxury markets and the art markets, the fine art markets, which helps kind of stay true to that speculative side of everything and, and the, the nature of people trying to flip these NFTs. Mm -hmm. How important is it in the process of building this brand and this platform to educate potential users or educate those who may not necessarily understand the traditional NFT side of things to come over and give your resources a try, to give your products a try, because you're, you're talking about physical NFTs with cars, with liquor companies. This is going right into the middle of the traditional marketplace and holding up a sign saying, hi, we're here. But once you have those people through the door, how do you keep them outside of the fact of a car, outside of the fact that the wine or the whiskey they like is going to necessarily be an NFT that you'll be able to sell on a secondary market? And how do you establish that idea of value to them to, to not your traditional art buyer, not your traditional NFT owner, to, to some jamoke from Schenectady who's like, oh, that car looks cool. I want to buy that. And then they're in and they uh, immediately have to figure out what an NFT is. How do you acclimate people to this environment? Well, acclimating people in discussion is one thing. Um, I, I think that we're only going to get so far. And I think that's where the, the, the troubles have been. And I mean, if you listen to, and I'm, I've listened to you talk about this too. The there is the reality that, that the UX UI out there pretty much sucks across the board when it comes to NFTs. Um, it, it, I, I have no better way of saying it. I don't. I don't it's not horrible, but it, it, for all the use cases coming out, there's there's no real simple fix to that. And, and talking about it all all day every day uh, will only do so much. It's more about putting it in front of them with something easy to use. People don't want to know that it's an NFT. That's not what it's about. Right now, we're doing that with our company uh, to be able to make sure that, that that we get the right minds behind what we're doing. So we're letting everybody know, hey, these are physical NFTs. Eventually, we're going to rebrand the NFT because it, all it really is is additional. It's an additional stack in the technology flow. Uh, it, it's just another server, really. Ultimately, when you really look at it that way, especially you start talking dynamic NFTs and being able to have code delivered back and forth and have it grow and grow. That's exactly where where everything works with um, uh, computing in general. And the EVM model is is one of the best things. Bedelik talks about it all the all the time himself. It, it it's a big supercomputer that we're building. It's it's a massive server that we're building. That's what this really is. And once we get to the point that we're all with cryptocurrency in general, uh, once we get to the point that we don't need to see it as cryptocurrency, but everything is mm -hmm. able to be done just like a bank app and you're not thinking about all the intricate parts moving behind the scenes, that's where everything starts flowing. So I think it's a 
it's a building process and being able to get there, but we do have to educate a lot of people along the way right now and hold their hands when we introduce people to this new technology and this new market. If you want to learn more about Lyft Token, you can go to lifttoken.io. That is L-I-T-H token. Io. You can even find out more about these guys. Andrew Reimer, the founder, Adam Rorda, the blockchain architect, and our product manager, Jason Martling. These are the guys behind Lift Token. You can follow a couple of them on Twitter, too. Uh, Adam doesn't have Twitter because he's fancy, because he's a fancy gentleman. You know, I'll have it listed on the on your, uh, on your website. Oh, he's got it. Oh, he's got it. Oh, he's got the, it's a hidden one. It's a, it's a secret it's Twitter. Exactly, he actually, he actually yeah, likes it's... social media far more than me or Andrew do. <laughs> <laughs> Adam R. Whale, if you want to hit me up on, on Twitter. And we'll have that in the show notes for you guys. Thank you so much. Before we let you guys go and go back to changing the face of the planet, um, what are some things that we haven't spoken about yet? The one thing each of you think is the heart of this project that we haven't spoken about. Andrew, this is your idea. This is your baby. You, you're bringing this into the world. You're the, you're the founder. So it's all on your shoulders. So we got to have to start with you. What's that one thing that we haven't spoken about yet that you feel at the heart of this project is something everyone needs to know? Yeah, I mean, it, it just comes down to our technology on the physical NFT side. Um, you know, what, what we're doing and, and, and bringing that technology to the world. I mean, we're seeing artists that are you know, physical artists or and creators who are looking to get into the digital realm and to the NFT side, and they're seeing our technology as as really the the only logical step to to get into NFTs in the digital world. And um, we think it's the first step for our technology. Obviously, we want to work with artists and creators for till the end of time, right? Um, but we also want to showcase this technology in as many ways as possible. So. Um, I think that, you know, the the ceiling is just endless on this and um, we can take it as far as we can, um, you know, as far as fashion, um, cars, uh, Airbnb. I mean, we can we can take a lot of people out with this technology and we can do it the right way, you know, the sustainable way and, and to really build something, build something great. So that's what I want everybody to know. Our NFT technology is going to be a game changer. Oh, it sounds like it. Adam, what about you? Uh, you know, along the same lines, I, I think the big thing with everything that we're doing here is uh, fully about the sustainability and ethics and, and part of ethics being people owning their own data. Uh, that is the one thing that we really haven't uh, hit. And I, I think owning your own data is, is one of the biggest moves. Uh, going into the next uh, set of, of technological evolution that we cover. And, and I think that's the, uh, the, the one thing that you're looking for that we didn't talk about. Jason, how about you wrap us up here? So one thing that I kind of wanted to say earlier, uh, but when, when Adam was kind of going over the technical overview of the ESG, the environmental, social, and governance, uh, now, how that looks to someone who's not necessarily familiar with ESG is that it's a metric, it's a metric used to evaluate a company based on its practices in business. How sustainable is it? How, uh, how are they treating their employees? Uh, you know, how ethical is it? Are there, are they getting their stuff produced in sweatshops? Are they 
destroying the environment to produce these things. All of these mm -hmm. things uh, play into an e into the ESG criteria. Now, what we're what we're also doing within this whole ecosystem, uh, and it, it's like it's a it's like almost like accountability through commerce. Every dollar that you spend is a vote for the kind of world you want to live in. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to level the playing field so that all of the information is transparent to all consumers and not just uh, high-level investors or companies. Mm. We want we want the consumers to be able to decide like is this product right for me, based on my values, mm. uh, it, and and to have that to have that information readily available so that uh, we can we can make better choices. And by making those better choices, by spending our money on better companies, it's going to create even more competition within these companies to change their practices and raise their own score. So mm -hmm. it's it's just a it's a it's a system that will encourage itself and will reward itself. Uh, on one hand, consumers have more access to the information they need to make informed decisions. Through those informed decisions, they uh, they direct change, and that's really the most crucial part of this for me. Big fan of uh, the idea of this economic perpetual motion machine that gives people a little bit more of autonomy and a little bit more of uh, control and governance over what is actually theirs. And it, it's a really awesome thing that you guys are endeavoring on and you're already accomplishing so much inside a the Wild West right now. We talk about the dot-com days of the early 2000s being the Wild West, you know, dealing with so many technological evolutions at once right now is kind of the fracture point for the next 50 years of how we're going to live our lives. And Absolutely. these are the questions we're asking. And these are the questions that need to be answered in a space that is still nascent. Like we're, we're, st we're asking all of these questions because at the end of the day, we're barely out of the sandbox. And mm -hmm. I think with projects like lift token and a lot of the stuff we talk about here on NFT 101 and our sister show, the brain trust, it's about figuring out what's, the road looking like it's getting very very oregon trail out there and as long as we don't die of dysentery i think we're going to be good gentlemen thank you so much for joining us once again the minds behind lift token you can find more information at lifttoken.io or if you don't like typing you can just go to the show notes either here on youtube or wherever you're listening to this in audio form and click the links there and learn more about lift token i have an odd feeling this will not be the last time we have you gentlemen on nft 101 or any of the co the podcast we have here on the bitmar podcast network once again thank you so much guys for being a part of nft 101 and now we have to do the part that we always do on the podcast here's nathan reading all the legal stuff hello to everybody out there in crypto land did you enjoy that conversation i know that i did it's always interesting to learn more about crypto projects, NFTs, and what is going on in this very unique industry. But now we've got to get some legal stuff out of the way, all right? It's just the way that it is. So I wanted to let you know that all opinions and actions expressed and undertaken by the hosts and guests are individual opinions and actions and do not reflect the views and actions of Bitmart. Bitmart does not guarantee the accuracy, applicability, reliability, integrity, performance, completeness, or appropriateness of this content. The value of digital currencies can go up or down, and there can be a substantial risk in buying, selling, holding, or investing in digital currencies. You should carefully consider whether trading or holding digital currencies is suitable for you based on your personal investment objectives, financial circumstances, and risk tolerance. Bitmart does not provide investment, tax, or legal advice. Use of BitMart services is entirely accurate.
at your own risk.